0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast.
1: Good day, everyone. Welcome to a live edition of Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. If you're watching us on YouTube, hello. If you're listening to the podcast iteration that's coming just afterwards, I'll edit this sucker down and send it off into the world. I am at Dan Vesperus on Twitter. That's also my name. I am joined by the big dog. We're doing this every Thursday this year. Aaron Bruschi. What do I hear?
0: Arf. Arf.
1: Oh, the big dog's in pain today. <laughs> it's not arf. good. That's not good at all.
0: Yeah, I'm limping, man. It, hey, this was a run, dude. And you know it. Yeah. Shout out to everybody involved at Ethos. I mean, everybody just pushing. It was crazy. It is every year, but this year we did so much more stuff and um, everybody was amazing. And there's no rest after the season starts. Like I had an extra beer and that was like my celebration. Cause I was like, we got, we gotta go. Wednesday's here or that was, you know, Wednesday night was, was, two, it was last night. Yeah. You look at all those games and everything, all your preseason expectations are just like put to the test. On on game one, and you got to figure out what's real and what's not. And uh, it was exciting. I thought all of our guys did really well. Um, you know, the ones that we got behind this year. So that
1: yeah, was so good. I, good to hear. that's kind of actually where I wanted to start with you because once the season starts, I know people always want to know like, and and a lot of folks are pretty good at deciphering each part of the Brewski one hundred and fifty that ushered folks along the way. Last week on this show we talked about how to use a list in a draft, but now it's about looking at a, a bunch of different things actually at the same time. There's there's you're looking at the players that you, Brew, me, Dan, whoever are are high on coming into the season and how they're doing at the front end. You're looking at what's happening among players that maybe aren't even drafted. Like is there going to be that type of surprise and Big Wednesday brought a handful of those. There's just so much to keep track of. So my job today, I guess, is to try to keep this train on the rails as best I can. But there's so many things. So I kind of want to start with, like, you personally. You're looking at your guys. You're looking at the league at large. You know, I I think I can now we can sort of safely say it out in the free universe because they were in the draft guide, and the draft guide is now effectively, like, yesterday's news because the season's begun, you know, guys like Isaiah Hartenstein, you were very big on, uh, Anika Okongwu, you were very big on DeJounte Murray, um, and then on the other side, Isaiah Jackson had a slow game, so how do you, uh, how do you process, I mean, there were a lot of really, like, you're like, oh yeah, sweet, like, this worked on the first day type of stuff, but then there's other things going on, so how do you process that data as you move into this first, the first few days of the year?
0: watching really close. Like I watched most of that Pacers game and with specific focus on Isaiah Jackson, it was really interesting. Um Jalen Smith goes into foul trouble early and in comes Isaiah Jackson and there was frustration in, in Jalen Smith. I thought that um he was he like very like, don't pull me out, like you know that his position battle is with isaiah jackson that was the sense that i got so that was one takeaway i was like these guys are going to operate sort of on a seesaw here at least early on while miles turner's out and then terry is the guy that's taking miles turner's minutes goga's still in the picture so i'm just kind of getting the feel for like all right they're going to let these four guys roll um you know when turner comes back terry probably goes out um, or it gets a little bit more complicated and then the next thing i'm looking for is like how does he look you know physically. Um, he looked fine in the minimal stuff that I saw during the preseason, and I really don't look at preseason as closely. Um, I Total aside, like, Portland looked like they'd never played basketball before when they played the Kings last week, and totally different team last night. And so you almost can just get fooled, you know? If you, if you were to try to weight what you see in the preseason, there's so many reasons why it's not valuable. Um, You just got to be really careful with what you do, looking at players as far as their speed and their their explosion and things like that. Um, So Jackson, I'm watching him and I'm going, you know, me more or less looks fine. I did think he kind of looked a little slow um, compared to where I thought he was at the end of last year. And I also thought that that team looked like they were completely feeling each or feeling themselves out like none of them looked sharp. Um, during that first half and he was just kind of floating around and, and I thought to myself if this continues he's gonna have an empty stat line Which is kind of what he did. He was three three boards three points and uh, a block and and he didn't play much in the second half and I thought to myself I wonder if the fact he was floating Played into that and I also thought that the matchup with Christoph Porzingis was not good for him I, He was able to be bullied by Porzingis and and then in in some of the other uh, opportunities that that he would have had to either block a shot or play better defense he got a couple three-pointers drilled in his eye and then um, on a couple drives he was just a hair short so what does that mean like as a coach and you know trying to dole out playing time he could have easily Rick Carlisle been sending him a message like hey you need to get a little bit a little bit tighter on these three-point shooters You know, you're a half step short. I need you to be a little bit more aggressive here. That these are just the random thoughts that are going through my mind, watching this game and then trying to figure out, is this real? And the good news with Isaiah Jackson is you're not going to see a precipitous fall off in things like steals and block rate. You're just not. And so as long as he's getting minutes and as long as overall, you're not looking at him and saying, Oh man, that's a problem. Like he doesn't look good. He shouldn't, he doesn't belong on the floor. Watching him play, I'm like, yeah, he's more answer than, than problem in Indy, and he's going to be there because of the fact that he can defend multiple positions, because of the fact that they're going to need his rim protection. They're going to need defense in general on the floor. So I'm not worried about his playing time. I think um, my expectation for him was that early, like the first third of the season, he might be in the 18-minute range, um, but that if anything were in his favor, whether it be an injury ahead of him or a trade of Mouse Turner – that he would just quickly rise up to like 23, 24, and then finish the season at like 27, 28, 29 minutes as things thinned out. And the last thing on Isaiah Jackson, he's a big B-150 guy. I'm sure people want to hear about him, is um, his play with Tyrese Halliburton is actually really notable. Halliburton lives on the pick and roll. He lives on players like Jackson keeping the back defender sort of paralyzed due to the lob so you saw a couple plays in the in that time uh yesterday where halliburton just went all the way to the cup because jackson held that back end defender down and that's going to be a seesaw all year long halliburton going to try to get to the cup it has been a focus of his but eventually as he gets to the cup that back defender is going to slide over and then you're just going to see dunk after dunk from isaiah jackson and that will literally be a core part of their offense so not worried about jackson at all um there were several other I mean, I almost kinda hoped we'd go game by game and just quickly hit thoughts on players that, you know, did well, didn't do well. I don't know what, what direction you want to spin with. It's it, almost too much.
1: It's almost too much, like to go game by game. But then look, I wanna talk to you about the other side of the coin too, because if you're you're we always look more closely at someone who maybe doesn't perform in the first game. It's a lot easier to just gloss over someone who does but i feel like we also need to issue the warning to folks that that's also important figure out why someone was successful and was it for the reasons that we thought they would be like on my end folks that listen to fantasy nba today every day they know that my four sort of biggest like i wanted to try to make sure i had my own guys in addition to everything that the every the world is talking about and everything in the B-150 they know that I was really high on Kevin Durant Kristaps Porzingis Keldon Johnson and Big Al and so obviously I'm looking at Al Horford I'm like okay Joel Embiid in game one that's a pretty easy one Keldon Johnson he was really good yesterday I feel great about that Durant Porzingis actually played pretty well like it's important to look at why why was Keldon Johnson successful was it usage was it the uh the fact that he's playing at a, a smaller position on the floor how do you brew assess guys that you were very high on who then did perform? So how do you handicap your successes in the first week? Cause that's a thing we have to do too.
0: Honestly, it's sad. Um, our brains have a built in negativity bias. So yeah. uh, when I get the the winning answer, um, you know, and it happens and it happens for the reasons that, that they happen, I just file it as done. <laughs> Yeah. And I right? don't think about it ever again. <laughs> I don't pat myself on the back. I don't go, Hey, yeah, that was a good good thing you did there. I just am like, all right, what happened with Isaiah Jackson? Or and actually he's, I'm not even stressing on it. I don't know that I had a player that I was really stressing on. You know, maybe like downstream, like um like D'Anthony Milton, I wasn't thrilled with his open. Yeah. You know? Um and and but at the same time I watched that and I was like, they let James Harden be James Harden and it sucked and I watched James Harden um, wave off Joel Embiid and I watched Joel Embiid quit in that basketball game I watched Joel Embiid basically say oh you want to make this a James Harden team okay I'm not going to play at all and watching that drama play out and sitting there thinking I bet in Philly that they're going to be asking for the Maxi Melton backcourt by about midway through the season you know and so in my mind I'm going even though Melton had a little, little lame stat line and it didn't show up i'm like yeah you know he's just gonna do his melting stuff and he'll just be back there in the the, you know the 100 to 150 range and you know eventually he'll kick it in the gear and you know probably finish where we ranked him um but uh, uh bane was one that really um caught my eye as i was walking home from pt and saw like bane you know crumbling to the ground without anybody you know kind of touching him and you know people were like wondering is he really super hurt and, and then there was all this chatter about how bad he was playing and I think it was like just random Twitter people you know I did a quick search for Desmond Bain to figure out what the injury was and it was just like a lot of New York Knicks fans you know like wondering who, who the guy with crocodile arms that shot 22 times you know why was he continuing to shoot and he had cramps and he could barely stand and I was laughing I was like this is a great buy low opportunity, you know, for a guy that went in the fifty five range, you know, in in most leagues, and uh, you know, obviously we had him ranked very high. Um, you know, if you're a subscriber, you just go to the B one fifty and see how high that was. Um, thinking like somebody's going to get him for a top seventy five player, and he's going to be inside the top twenty, you know, eventually, and he's got the green light to shoot whatever he wants, and they need him to do that. Um, so once, they, whenever this cramping issue that we saw a couple players deal with um it was actually cam johnson was another b150 guy uh, dealt with some cramps i think these guys come into the season kind of like 50 to 75 percent in shape and they're in the first week another important point they're getting into shape this week so you've got to watch out for that um you know a lot of what you're going to see just isn't applicable um because of that fact somebody that struggled you know is going to get into shape within that first week And then somebody who did really well, like Michael Carter Williams from like five years ago, you know, (laughs) know, falls off the map after having a 30-10-10 game, you know. So um, I don't know who else struck. um, I I know the Houston situation was really interesting. Um,
1: Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter. And suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Yep, I mean we can (laughs) we can we can roll right into that too because we got we got so many damn things to cover. So we're gonna have to kind of pick a few spots. I hope we do a
0: little like lightning round and just like I'll I'll go like five second responses.
1: Yeah, I don't. I mean we can try that. Was there anything else on the Pacers that caught your eye? Because I thought Jalen Smith looked really good in the second half of that game.
0: Yeah, I was happy. I mean we got a lot of Jalen Smith and and I had this sort of like clump of top fifty B one fifty guys that were going as far as eight, nine, and ten. And Jalen Smith was in that crew, and I kept kind of not, dropping him down a tiny bit within that crew of players. It was like Hartenstein, Jackson, um, you know, Brandon Clark was in there, um, and, I, and I was dropping Jalen because the knee thing was was. And when I say drop it, I'm barely dropping him, just sort of deprioritizing him within this group that I could I could count on it. I was scripting my drafts and going from six, seven, eight, nine, and ten, knowing these guys would be available. Um, the, the yeah, he looked great. He looked physically imposing. I think that he's going to get his minutes, and, um, you know, there's, there's really no questions there. As long as that knee holds up, I think he's going to hit his B-150 mark. Um, so that was great. And, um, you know, I thought Buddy Healed rebounded was, was a trend we saw last year. I think that's going to continue. I think he's going to be underrated and good until he gets traded somewhere
1: and then he struggles a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. A little Um, bit.
0: (laughs) What about LeBron? Never see the ball again. I don't know.
1: Air, I'll jump you to another team. What did you think of Orlando in game one? What did you think of Mo Bamba playing a dozen minutes? I feels like he might be the Uh, odd man out there.
0: Well, they just paid him. So like, yeah, it's pretty weird, but like Orlando's a weird, Orlando's a bad franchise. I mean, you know, they just kind of are. And so they make weird, bad decisions. Um, I think they're, Probably going to let Bandichero just sort of do whatever he wants. Um, he had the big game. Keep in mind, guys, this is against Detroit. You know, so like, that's about as easy as it gets. Um, amazing dunk over Corey Joseph. That was just
1: hilarious. Oh, and don't you I start with Corey. The... You can't. No, you're not allowed to talk about Corey I, I know, Joseph. No, I didn't.
0: I didn't. Did you see me say anything? I
1: could have. And <laughs> you I didn't. brought it up anyway. But it was hilarious.
0: Like, but like, like there was no point to getting dunked on like that. It was like, he wanted to get dunked on like that. At any rate, Banchero is, he's an isolation player. I just wonder how long his teammates are going to be cool with him dribbling the, the air out of the ball, you know? And, and what does that look like when you get somebody like Cole Anthony back? You know, Markel Fultz isn't back. Like you mentioned, Obama didn't play it practically at all. Um, what are, what are they doing? What is their identity? And how does this look when they're tanking is like my key questions for them. You know, does Jonathan Isaac get back on the floor? I think Bamba is not going to play that bad or, you know, statistically in fantasy that bad. I mean, what are we even saying? He played, what, 12 minutes? 12, yeah. I I don't know that that's a sample that we're going to look at. Um, He's a guy that was really rocking and rolling last year, top 75 for a long stretch, top 50 for stretches. And if he can get back into 25 minutes per game, you know, top 100, top 125, he can be a fine, you know, low and player with upside. But um I would give him like three games, four games. And if he's not bouncing out of that, then you can start in a shallow league looking at
1: your options. What did you think about uh Jalen Duran, Jaden Ivy, and Boyan Bogdanovich over on the uh Detroit side of that game?
0: Uh I could see them relying on Boyan, you know, like for the first half of the season and you know, Tway Casey loves himself some better and see that player that will not be named, you know, previously that still gets minutes. Um good, I thought Jalen Duran getting – I know, right? Jalen Duran getting, um, you know, time and producing isn't surprising in the sense that, you know, like these young centers, there's a couple, you know, that came into the league. Um, you know, you throw them in there, they're going to do things like rebound and lock shots. That's, you know, what they do. That's kind of the only thing they can do at this point in time. There's no reason for them not to play him um, unless he's just not, you know, giving – Dwayne Casey, what he wants out of a rookie, and playing hard, and you know, yada yada yada. But roster wise, you know, future wise, there's no reason he shouldn't be getting 20 minutes, and that makes him a viable low end center with upside because if they really crank on him, you know, he gets up to 25, 28 minutes. He's looking at possible mid round value, and this is a guy that wasn't drafted very much, so that was a huge find. I thought, um, you know, and, and if you want to spin over to like Charlotte, Nick Richards, he got you Know the double double there. Um, so uh, he seems to be taking the lead in the who's gonna pick up, you know, after um, oh, what's his name? Uh, I'm drawing a blank because I don't have enough coffee. It was a uh, uh,
1: the guy who's the still, still still there or one that that's guy. gone, Plumley. Yeah, he's still there.
0: Yeah, Plumley. Thank you. <laughs>
1: that guy, <laughs> yeah, placeholder. He's so forgettable
0: that I forgot his name.
1: Yeah, he's a placeholder. Uh, hey, have an, uh player image. Let's see. Where are we? Where are we bouncing to next? How about uh, Chicago? How good can IO be Ooh. after Zach Levine comes back?
0: Well, IO, I, I kept rising him up the rankings, and IO last year was was great. Like he stepped in and he he did everything you would ask him to do, like defensively, offensively. Um, you know, certain you know. Free throw shooting isn't great, but, you know, he's a high percentage field goal shooter. He's passing the ball well. You know, he's defending. So, like, you're not expecting him to be a first-round or an early-round talent. You're hoping that you can get some mid-round value out of him. And he was going at, like, 150 in drafts, even knowing that he was going to start doing the Lonzo ball thing. And, I mean – the Zach Levine-Me thing was obvious yeah. a year ago. Yikes. Was, he had no business being drafted where he was drafted this year. He had no business getting the $207 million that he got. Like If you can't make it through a regular season the way he couldn't make it through a regular season last year, what are you doing giving him that money? I, I, it's, it's astonishing that, that, the, that these teams are so stuck on stars that they they did that. And now they're, they're stuck in an unenviable position. of They know they got $209 million invested, so they've got to play the long game. And they're like, yeah, we're going to ease them in. They already got a guy, Monzo Ball, that they can't play. Yeah. You can't make this stuff up. And so here's Io just sitting there. He should not be available ever, by the way. Like It shouldn't take this show to you know get him on rosters and fantasy leagues, because even if both those guys come back, Levine and Ball, You know, Ball obviously not coming back for a very long time. But, like, if they were to come back, I think this team likes Io enough to keep him on the floor 25 minutes per game when both of of those guys are back. And then he would just shift a little less on the ball, a little bit more defense, become even more efficient, and still probably hang out at a top 150 rating in that scenario. But he's going to go better, and he's going to probably be a top 80, top 70 guy going forward for the foreseeable future with or without Zach Levine.
1: What did you make of the Brooklyn Nets getting steamrolled in their opener? I mean, obviously, KD was great. Can Uh, can
0: everybody stop trying to make Ben Simmons a thing? I
1: mean, like... (laughs) Yeah, that was a pretty easy fade, I I thought, on draft day. But, you know, still...
0: Everybody's like, oh, he's playing great defense. Like, uh, no, he's not. And he's, you know, tired. And he's, you know, he's just like, nothing's going well for him. Uh, I
1: mean, he hadn't played in like two years, it seems like.
0: There's that. There's, was he good when he was playing two years ago? You know, and defensively, he had some great moments there, you know, before all of this stuff, you know, started piling up. But it wasn't like he was just like unassailably a top defensive guy in the league. You know, he had a three to six month stretch where he was that guy. And, even then it was kind of debatable. Was he at that level that everybody talks about him as? And so now he comes in with that reputation and he's nowhere near delivering on it. And even the comments from his teammates seem to suggest that it's not, you know, they're not buying into Ben Simmons. So I think that this thing's got train wreck written all over it. As a fantasy GM, you're hoping that the train stays on the track as long as possible because the minute people start jumping, then it becomes look out for my future KD. you know Kyrie could do whatever he wants at any point in time and we all know that and then the next follow-up is if kd ever for whatever reason for his future decides i'm not going to push through xyz the good news with KD, he loves playing basketball so he will have a pretty high threshold and that's why i think you were high on him and I, that's i had him as my number two player behind yeah, Jokic. Same. um and he's gonna just do that he's just gonna crank um they uh, have some interesting players at the back end of their rotation that could be um, fun, classed in. Uh, Cam Thomas, I think, could jump in. Um, Royce O'Neal, I think, could be like a dark horse for top 50 value in a nine-cat league because he just sort of doesn't get hurt and they need him, and he just chunks his way along. Um, we see a couple players like that every year. Um, they're kind of boring, though.
1: the nets i know it's a funny thing to say i like the rockets let's
0: talk the rockets
1: all right rockets so uh we we tried to warn everybody that shangun was going too early um but i don't know how many people listened it it, like it was it was alluring man that was a buzzy name he has great fantasy lines you know this was it though this guy if he gets minutes He can do points and rebounds and assists and steals and blocks and the percentages were questionable, but you hope they, yeah, that's
0: actually the most interesting thing is he went four for four from the foul line. Yeah. So,
1: I mean, small sample
0: size theater there, but
1: is this a, is this a, here we go again? Like, is he going to get that job at some point this year? This
0: is a, this is a, it matters who you listen to conversation. Like you can't, he should have never had the hype last year that he was getting based on the all the the existing information at hand was that there wasn't enough peripheral stats to support high-end fantasy value for a guy that wasn't playing at the time so you got these buy recommendations all over the place that created a market that never should have existed in the first place and the key to it was that he couldn't stay on the floor defensively so that made it even worse than if he had gotten the full load he would have never hit his mark then he can't stay on the floor defensively and now you're seeing already the evidence of like why they're not going to go all in on him you know they're going to let Bruno Fernando come in who by the way has always sort of been on the radar as like hopefully this guy could get some minutes because the stats that's nice and you know there's some upside there and he just steps in and they're like yeah no we'll take the guy that gives us something defensively and um you know you got a bunch of players in that starting unit that also need the ball in their hands. So they're not going to go like some like DeMontis Sabonis style offense where they take the guy who's super versatile and just give him the ball every time and let everybody else die on the vine. They're going to let those other players do their thing. So he'll have sporadic offensive outbursts and hopefully he will improve on his defense. And if he can play 25, 26 minutes per game, the question then will become, how bad does he take a hit in the steals and blocks area because of, you know, decreased physicality that's going to hit him pretty much earlier than it hits most other big men? And then the question becomes those peripherals. Like, can he hit free throws? If he can't hit those free throws for whatever reason, that was, you know, not ideal, then it's, it's even double bad, triple bad. Hmm. So I don't know if he'll crack the top 100 this year.
1: Capella Okongwu battle. How long before that tips the other direction, or does it just stay like this most of the year? And Okungu does, like, pretty well regardless.
0: All I know is I got in my last high stakes league, I got Trey Young and Dejounte Murray, same team. <laughs> and love I it love up. it, and I love it. And why does that matter? Because like, if Capella goes, he just sits in the paint and grabs rebounds. You know, if he goes, then then uh, Murray is going to feast even more. And Kongwu sometimes he's a, a, a rebounding guy, and sometimes he just he disappears from the glass. And I kind of think he might cede the glass to somebody like Murray. Box out his guy, you know, let Murray grab the ball and go. And they just have this high speed, you know, up tempo offense. That's great. Um Kongwu's he was better than Capella last year, you know. And you know, we've been fading Capella for a while. And I, I think that they're going to let Capella sort of, you know, have a long, long you know, walk down the plank and, and there's really no reason to completely go away from Capella. Just give him eventually 23 minutes per game. They'll have a controversy that, you know, should a Kong will be starting and Nate McMillan will take forever on it. And it'll be like two thirds of the year. They'll switch that up at some point in time. And um, it'll probably be, you know, the guys of an injury, you know, Capella will have an injury, the switch will occur. They'll never go back and, you know, it'll be Capella off the bench. And, um, mm. you know, all Wally will be pipped. well. Konglu will be awesome. He was in that clump of players that, you know, you could just almost guarantee you could get after 80, 90, 100. So happy there.
1: Memphis Grizzlies. We're we're flying through here. Uh, Santi Aldama, huge first actual game, not preseason anymore. We know John Conchar is a big Mike Passador favorite. Um, he it. got in there. Um, you know, there's a Dylan Brooks element to that, obviously, but Conchar was fantastic. Uh, Brandon Clark wasn't as good and I'm, I'm very pro Clark and I'm getting people like coming after me right now for saying, I think you can still draft him around a hundred and you'll be fine. Like his line last night, as ugly as it was, was still not that far off a top 100th line. Um, what do you sit with the Grizzlies this year?
0: Yeah, no, um, first of all, shouts to, to Mike Pasador because he knew about Santee last year. And this is why, you know, working in blurbs and doing the blurb work is so important is, you know, he was able to witness those lines last year and knew coming into this year that Santi was good. So when Santi showed up in the preseason, it wasn't surprising because we, you know, and we do have a pretty good Memphis Grizzlies team around here on the uh, journalism side. So they're constantly feeding us Intel about how good Santee is. And then you you watch him in the preseason and also in in the first game and you're like, yeah, he can cover ground. He's versatile. He's good. He's going to be just fine playing whatever 20 minutes at minimum for them per game until Jaron Jackson comes back. He fits next to Brandon Clark. Um, I think when, when Jaron Jackson, by the way, playing five on five was an interesting news report that um, caused me to snap him up at about 110 in a high stakes draft thinking that that might be sooner rather than later. Um, I think they'll find a way to make Santi, um, you know, play, probably take Tillman out of the rotation so he can probably get his 20 the rest of the year. So that's why do I say that? If you know you're getting 20 out of Santi, I'm guessing that's top 150 at best or probably not at best. I'd say that's top 50 is my prediction, what he would be at 20 minutes per game. He's going to get more than that until then. So that means he's rosterable. It's it's and hopefully he continues to develop and things happen in his favor and he can play 25 minutes per game the rest of the way and I think Brandon Clark can fold right into that and also play 25 minutes per game and that for Brandon Clark is top 100 value as you sort of alluded to even on a bad night.
1: Is there any is there any Clark panic in you? Any Clark panic? You know, I have a tiny is what he is as a
0: player. I have a tiny bit due to injury risk. Because he's never really stayed healthy, um, but this is a thin Grizzly squad. You know, they sort of like losing Melton really made it such that that Tyus Jones Conchar was another Panda guy and and another one that we've watched in these games. You're like that guy could play for a lot of teams, and yes, Dylan Brooks was out. That's going to probably knock the value out of Conchar. Um, it's going to take the Grizzlies back to who they were, you know, sort of originally, but you remove Melton and you don't really replace them. You don't have Jaron Jackson and yeah, Santi's good. And, slow-mo, and that's all great. slow-mo left. Slow-mo has gone. That's a huge piece. It's there. So they're thin and, and these guys are going to end up chucking, um, you know, the, the John Morant's, the Desmond Baines. And so um, Brandon Clark, where does he fit? He was a key guy during their playoff run. Like they relied on him and He's a he's a player that's gonna give them offense inside the paint, vertically. There's not a lot of players on the team that can do that. Another thing that helps him is um uh what's his name? Uh what's our our, our, our bouncy twenty year old that's um
1: I haven't he's a clue. Right <laughs> on the on he's the grizzlies, good. On the he's grizzlies. Six for
0: ten yeah, he's six foot ten. He's a young kid. I, I literally had one coffee today, and I'm tired, Dan.
1: <laughs> Are we talking about who we started with? No,
0: no, we're talking about who is the backup power forward for the Memphis Grizzlies, whose name I can't
1: remember. Oh, I don't even know. Who is their backup forward right now?
0: I'm going to find out, because I'm... You
1: know, I think he's their backup. Right I think Clark is the backup power forward right now. No, no. If I get
0: this before you... You're in trouble. No, you're gonna... I've obviously forgotten his name.
1: Yeah, I don't know who you're talking. Is this someone that's like played before today? Oh yeah, Zaire Williams. Boom. Oh, yeah. Did he? Not... He didn't. He's even having play. some
0: sort of weird. He's having a weird injury issue right now with his knee, and it's like, is it, is it a thing? or Are they just being super cautious because it's the first or you know second game of the season? Um, so like that's just a little tiny piece of information that makes me feel better about Brandon uh, Clark and. Overall, though, just his skill and what he brings to the table, I think that 20 minutes will be the floor, 25 will be the max, and I kind of lean toward him getting the match with Jaron Jackson out so long. And if Zaire Williams, who now I remember his name, if he is having trouble, and he's good by the way, he, he's he's I actually like his his um you know what he's done with his game. I think he's still a little green in the sense that he can't quite be. Counted on to do the right things. I think they'll bring him along, bring him along a little slowly. But Brandon Clark is going to be just fine. Top 100 with top 60 overall upside, especially in nine cat leagues.
1: Uh, you mentioned Nick Richards earlier in the show. Um, he he got 21 and change minutes in their blowout win. I'm some of that may have actually been blowout related. For me, he's more of a watch list kind of guy. Are you making the move quickly on him?
0: Um, no, I think Clifford is is you know playing some games here because you know uh, Mark Williams is I think who the locals are behind. Right. And yeah, he's you know a rookie and he's kind of obviously what he is. He's going to be a little bit slow on rotation, super explosive. You know, and and coach is going to use Nick Richards essentially to motivate Mark Williams, and and also use Plumlee. To motivate um, Williams, and then it's just a question of when do they get tired of all that. Now, Clifford's not a guy that's going to roll over, sort of a veteran coach. Um, you know, you got this tank race. I could see Charlotte being like the eighth, you know, eighth place tank team. So they probably like don't think very much of their chances to be picked number one overall in the lottery. So they take a little while with it. But Plumlee's not a spring chicken. He's probably going to get hurt at some point, and then you're going to see both nick richards and mark williams. And in drafts where i got like hung out to dry on centers and i was just kind of like all right well just gonna suck at that position you know just be good everywhere else i would take the two of them together and see which mm. one uh shook out um and get rid of the one that didn't and that's probably gonna end up being mark williams uh nick richards flyer you know i, I there have been enough hype from both Clifford and and locally about Nick Richards to not just dismiss this as like, you know, blowout related, fluke related. You know, I I would think that he's probably gonna be discussed in fantasy circles for like the next two weeks at least
1: uh spurs i want to do a little spurs and then i want to get to like one or two strategy questions and then we'll have to peel this thing off i sh- i really should have warned folks we don't typically do the questions that are like should i pick up so and so and drop so and so we want to go broad and a few of you guys did drop in some really good broad questions so i want to make sure we get to those but quickly on the spurs um yeah you know, i was obviously very happy i have a ton of i have kelton johnson on almost every single fantasy team it surprises a lot of people because he's not an old man I just thought that, like, we saw him going at a top 45 clip at the end of last year when DeJounte Murray was still there. um, And there was sort of, like, very little to hold him back other than being on a really terrible team. So, uh, yeah, I have a young guy on my teams. Everybody get over it. Uh, Other than Johnson, it was kind of a, a clunky day for San Antonio. Trey Jones, who ended up with a ton of hype coming into drafts, had 14... Uh, and two assists. He did block two shots, so kind of saved his line with that fluky stat. And then Devin Vassell uh, actually led the team in usage, but could not throw a pebble in the ocean in yesterday's game. You know, at a glance, it feels like Vassell is someone you should be targeting with a buy after a horrible game like that, where he still got to do everything. Jones, on the other hand, I I was kind of fading him getting as high as he was going in drafts. He felt like uh, more of like your ninth, tenth round... More flyery type. And then by the end of draft season, he was going late seven, early eighth round, where, like, those are guys you still can take established dudes in that spot. What do you think goes on in San Antonio here? Are you, are you agreed? He do you cut disagree?
0: Trey Jones so was when you faded and he was going early.
1: Yeah. Once he, once he jumped up the board, yeah. 40 slots, I just couldn't get on board with that one.
0: People got excited, I think. And what was strange about that is Primo to me is the one that. You know like if you're just looking for overall pop like and what if factor primo to me is the one that we could you know you just don't know it's like a big old question mark could he put it together statistically and then it seems pretty damn likely that he would cut into trade jones so i get where you're coming from there was a couple of times where i was hoping jones would be available in drafts for those late assists and not only does he not deliver them in game one he wasn't available late in drafts so um because People just started, and you're right. It happened about a week, you know, T-minus seven to 14 days. It felt like he started flying up the draft board. Um, Vassell, I think that you're going to definitely have an opportunity here because not only were people not really schooled on him last year and and they didn't even know he was good when like he was good. So he comes into this year. He gets a little overhyped by the fantasy community sort of early that steals his margin. And then I started noticing Vassell dropping something to like 65, 70 in eight cat leagues, maybe 60. And and really his value was sort of in that 50 to 55 range. I can't remember off the top of my head where I had him. But like, so he actually became undervalued mm-hmm. at, at, the, at the end of draft season. And now a game like this and people are just like, why did I get this guy? Like he wasn't even good last year. And now and now look at him. He's not even starting off good this year. And, you know, 15 shots is not as much as some people might think you know he could be getting as quote-unquote a lead guy so it's like everything.
1: A, a pretty big number oh, for, and
0: especially for him yeah you know, it's, that's a good number for him it's not you know i, I think he can do a little more but they got nowhere else to go and that kind of speaks to the strength of your um, your kelvin johnson pick is when it comes to like they need a bucket he's the guy and he looks great and, and there's one other piece of hidden value with him, and even I didn't notice he went one of two from the foul line. If he figures it out from the foul line, additional value. You know, he could be that top fifty. You know, and, uh, stay healthy, you can maybe you can make a case he could finish top forty if he adds five, six, seven percent to his free throw shooting. So, I, I, where I fell in the trap where I didn't get much killed in Johnson is, I had top fifty that I like projected to finish top fifty players available all the time and so like there's this group of top 50 to 90 guys that i would have loved to have on my team but it was just impossible you know you got isaiah Hartenstein sitting there staring at you and you're like well you know he's better than mitchell robinson he plays like a Tibbs guy yeah that was just one example
1: uh we have two i want to do two roughly uh strategic questions here more broad and before I ask you those I want to remind everybody because we're mid-show now please do hit the like button on this thing I probably should have said this earlier uh I'm not that great with video I'm much better with audio hit the like button subscribe to the YouTube page Brew and I are doing this every Thursday all season long it's like the good old days man Dan and Brew back together on this thing Brew is svelte I have kids that are in preschool so I have like two to three hours in the morning where this place is quiet Nobody in that direction right now. Not a soul. There's a dog somewhere in this place. Isn't it great? Isn't it oh awesome? God, just sweet, sweet peace and solitude. And so I can put on fun shirts and turn on this camera, and we can do a show. Um, question about rostering multiple players from the same team. I wanted to start with this one because you talked about how you have a boatload of Atlanta Hawks. You love. You had Trey very high. You had Murray crazy high this year. You had Okongwu very high this season. I'm guessing you have all three of those guys or at least two of the three on a lot of your teams. So, Brenda says, I drafted three Grizz. Is three from the same team too many?
0: No, I I mean, think about it this way. If one of them goes down, your other player is going to get the usage, you know, in some way, shape, or form. I love it. Um, The only downside is if you drafted, like, three players from a bad team, you know, like a bad organization that can't figure things out. And it hit all three of them, you know, so maybe that's a consideration, you know, when I looked at, at Atlanta, it was like, well, they're not going to go away from Trey young. They just dealt their future away for, um, for DeJounte Murray. You know, Kong was clearly better than Capella. There'd be no reason I would fade that situation. Right. Um, you know, the Brandon, uh, Clark and Jaron, Jaron, Jer- uh, Jackson draft. I just did like, you know eventually jaron jackson will be great and you know maybe brandon kirk will be good and i'll move another direction so like i did in that case draft those two guys um i did that which with, was, was highly a specific lot. i
1: i did that with I the jazz been... a ton i got mike conley at like 130 in every single draft i'm in i'm just like great i'm gonna get two awesome months did. i'm gonna get two awesome months out of this dude at a top 75 clip and then bye bye that's if you can get that at one thirty in a draft. That's like a, almost a guarantee. What? Well, of course. Like
0: Kyle Lowry at like one thirty or something.
1: Yeah. Oh, he was horrible was, yesterday, was, and people are gonna freak out. He'll be uh, fine. Uh,
0: well, he's he's not. I, I didn't
1: watch the game, but I can guarantee you he's not in shape. No. Like
0: first week of the season. Although, didn't wasn't there shape.
1: like a big thing about him not being Big Booty Kyle this year? So I didn't. I actually didn't watch that game either because I didn't have many questions about. Yeah, they did that have have story
0: about every player in the league. <laughs> everybody's booty smaller also gained this year 15
1: pounds of muscle josh king they excellent fantasy diet. player uh good question sample size when do you we got to do this every year by the way this is an important question we do answer on this show once per season how long do you wait before you believe what you're seeing from a sample size standpoint and i feel like if i remember you said it's in the four to six week range it
0: just depends it's five to fifteen games so, fifteen games. It kind of is what it is. That's whatever the, it's that's about be.
1: four weeks ish, right? So, yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. About three and change per it, week, and so then
0: like you can extend it out. It just like there could be, you know, if the situation is really dynamic, meaning like there's like a reason that's you understand the reason and it is what it is, and, and and then it's gonna drag this thing out to maybe say twenty games. I get it. You know, that stuff happens. Um, but really, like when I'm like looking, like, do I want to see what this player is capable of? I'm gonna watch this player for five games. At the fifth game, I know, like, did he lose explosion? Did he have a bad summer? Did he gain explosion? Did he work on a skill? Did that, you know, whatever that question is, it's. And it, it, honestly, it takes probably one or two games. I always want to give a little bit of, like, one or two games at minimum, just for the idea that, like, sometimes. It is very much understood, players, staff, trainers, that these guys are not coming into game one in shape. They're coming in at 70% with the purpose of elongating their, you know, or, or preserving themselves for the long, long haul of the season. They're going to give up those five games early on to be better down the stretch. So, how that manifests across an entire team, you know, that can have ramifications. You can have a, a number one or two player from that team that's doing one of those things and quite literally deferring everything to other guys and then when they get their win back, they go, okay, now it's it's my turn and it changes everything and all of a sudden the the entire box score switches. So five games, that stuff stops happening and then you can see for a, a player that's got no weird thing hanging over their head, no like injury issue, no coaching issue, no nothing, you know, just like a run of the mill after five games, you know what that player's all about.
1: I think this is a pretty good segue into our last strategy question. So this is kind of, it's built on the same premise you just talked about, but geared more towards your actual team. How long do you look at uh, your own team before understanding what that build is accomplishing? And I think this is different for head-to-head and Roto. Although, I guess timing-wise, it's probably about the same, but what you do about it is probably different, head-to-head versus Roto, because in head-to-head, you generally lean into the strengths a little bit more, and in Roto, you try to lean into the weaknesses a little bit more in whatever you can make up the most ground. So how how long do you assess your team before you start making adjustments? For me, it's in the two- to three-week week range. I try not to stream, actually, in head-to-head leagues for the first one to two weeks, just to get a feel for what everybody is and what the team is? Because sometimes you might end up dropping a player that's a better fit for your team than the guy you're picking up.
0: I think over the years I've been getting just more fine-tuned with knowing like, if player X is not what I thought they were going to be, what does that do to my team? Um, you might find that like all of your bigs, just weren't what you thought they were going to be and it just has this profound impact on your field goal percentage you know because all of a sudden these players that you would would have been relying on they're not either in your lineup or whatever the case may be and you find yourself down at the bottom of the standings in that category and you're like I didn't expect that I expected to be at the top of the standings in that category and I predicated my strategy on it so what do I do? And the, the answer to that might be I might get aggressive with early waiver wire pickups that are bigs in order to combat that I might fade somebody who's going to drag me down in that category. So being very kind of just on top of it when when knowing what your potential weaknesses could be. So identify your potential weaknesses in the first couple of weeks. But mostly, like you said, you're not trying to act on that stuff, you know early on in week one or two, and it'll always be case specific. That's what we're here for. Ask a question, you know, we'll tell you what, what, what do we think? Is this, you know, fact or fiction that this player is either going to continue or not continue or whatever the case may be. Um, but you got it. You got to stay the course. There's just too many examples of, I mean, we used the Nikola Jokic example the other day. Yeah. You know, people wanted to drop him. People were being told to drop him you know, what is it, four or five years ago? And then he just popped off of whatever top 20 season the rest of the way. And it became the Nikola Jokic that we know. So the first third of the season can be like that. What separates the the winners from the losers at the end of the day is who can get off at the right time and who can get on at the right time.
1: Want to give a shout-out here to our buddies over at Thrive Fantasy as we approach the end of our live show. Go to ThriveFantasy.com or download the Thrive Fantasy app and use promo code ETHOS to get a deposit match up to $250. That is the biggest promo that they run with any of their partners all year long, and they've given it to us here at Sports ETHOS. Again, that promo code is ETHOS at ThriveFantasy.com. Go join their guaranteed prize contest. It's fun because it's prop bets. I suck at DFS. And I said this on yesterday's show. I actually kind of hate DFS a little bit. I'm really sorry. Sorry, DFS players. But I like prop bets because I'm a sports better and a fantasy player. So check out our buddies at thrivefantasy.com. A promo code once again is ethosbrew. This has been a blast. The noon bell ringeth. I have to go pick up a child at uh, preschool. And we'll do it again next week, won't we? Indeed, sir. Looking forward to it, and uh, thank you
0: for all. Thank you to all of you for coming along for the ride.
1: Yeah, thank you to all of our live viewers. I think this might be the biggest uh, Dan Brew show we've had. I don't. I don't know. It doesn't matter. And uh, to the podcast listeners, thank you all for listening to this show a little bit later in the day as well. Coming up on tomorrow's episode of Fantasy NBA Today, which will not be live, I'll be going through all the biggest stories of the week: ads, drops, holds streams and a look towards our first nba weekend of the 2022-2023 season big thank you as well to expressvpn and manscaped.com i'll tell you more about those guys on tomorrow's show for aaron brewski at aaron brewski on twitter at dan basperis on twitter the video folks you can see it on your screen i should probably take this uh, question off the youtube stream I'm gonna go back there's those uh those handles Um, Also wanted to mention we are recruiting here at Sports Ethos. You can hit either of us up on Twitter if you'd like to be a part of the madness, at Dan Vesperus at Aaron Bruski or email roster at sportsethos.com. Have a great Thursday short card tonight. I think we all need a deep breath, don't we? (sighs) Talk to you tomorrow, everybody. So long.